You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M, and today, let's take a look at the quarterback battles in the state of Texas. Honestly, we're just going to go through every single quarterback battle in the state because Texas A&M is going through one, but how important is this battle compared to other teams? And when breaking down the battles, is Texas A&M in the best spot of all? If you love SEC and college football talk, make sure you tune in to Locked on SEC with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790. Gordy breaks down all 14 teams, including everything going on in recruiting, the College Baseball World Series, and of course, preparation for the 2021 season. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. As always, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this a more quality sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th man related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, make sure you listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So, before we go into the battle of the Lone Star State under center, let's talk about college football playoffs because the ultimate goal for any team, the ultimate goal for any program out there is to go to the college football playoff. Now, Every single person is going to have their initial teams. The top four that will make it in, and the two that are going to be on the outside looking in. And that's always been the case. I have my top four going into the season. I know every single major media outlet has their top four going into the season. And Pro Football Focus has their top four going into the season. I'll tell you my top four right now. Number one for me is Georgia. I actually think Georgia is going to be the team to beat in the SEC, especially now that they added in Darion Kendrick from Clemson, and they also added in uh, Eric Gilbert, the tight end, the five-star Harold tight end. Add that with JT Daniels, Zamir White, hopefully a healthy George Pickens if he can return for the later half of the season. Uh, you know, they still have a couple of other receivers. They have a pretty good defense. Great team. Number two to me right now is Clemson. Clemson has a top-level defense. Clemson has the ability to be a dangerous team when it comes to playing in the secondary, they have a good front seven, they have a good pass rush, and they still have a good offense. If Justin Ross comes back and is healthy, this is a team that's going to be the number two team. I have no doubt about it. Number three is Texas A&M. I believe that the Aggies, if they can have a stable offensive line, if they can go out and they can make sure that the offensive line has the five best players out there, it doesn't matter if you play Haynes King or Zach Calzada. No matter what will happen, you will have at least, I would say, a 10-win, I mean, a, uh, an 11-win season. I think for sure you're beating Alabama. I think your one loss in the season comes to Georgia. And at that point, if that's it, you're going undefeated in the SEC Championship, you're going to be considered. And number four is Oklahoma. Oklahoma has a good defense. Oklahoma has a good rushing attack. Oklahoma has the best college quarterback Right now. And I say college quarterback because I don't think he's going to transfer to the NFL. Well, I do not. I, I am not a believer in Spencer Rattler. But they have Spencer Rattler. That is important. Coming in at number five for me is Ohio State. And coming in at number six is Alabama. 
I do not trust Bill O'Brien. I do not know what that offense is going to be with Bryce Young. We have no idea what to expect, but I do think that Alabama is the closest on the outside looking in. Pro Football Focus, they have the exact four that we always see. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Clemson. Number three, Ohio State. Number four, Oklahoma. At what point is it just boring? I actually ask you this because, again, based off every single situation you look at, I understand why these are the four. Because, statistically speaking, history and the program and the length of the program and where they're sitting right now, these are the four. These are the top four. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Why is Texas A&M just not in for fun? It's preseason rankings. What are you going to gain by being the same bland bleh? Honestly, it's the same stuff every single day. At what point does it not just become boring? At least with mine... Alabama and Ohio State, two teams that were in the national title game last year, are not in my initial preseason top Final Four. They're not. Alabama, I have no idea what to make because I do believe the biggest loss for Alabama was not Mac Jones. I do not believe it was Devonta Smith. I do not believe it was Jalen Waddell or Patrick Sertain. The biggest loss was Steve Sarkeesian. He's now in Austin. Alabama lost a lot. But the biggest thing they lost was their offensive coordinator and the guy who I think a lot of people thought was going to be the heir apparent to Nick Saban, who, by the way, isn't going anywhere. He just signed an extension to keep him in the SEC for another eight years. God. But you know what? You can always have a down year. And Alabama fans don't like this, and I know this because I'm an Alabama alum. When you say, oh, two losses on the year, it's a good year. No, it's travesty. It's a funeral. It is an absolute nightmare of a situation with Nick Saban. Clemson, how sure are we that the offense is going to be good? That defense is going to be great. I have no doubt about it. How sure are we that this offense is going to be great? How sure are we that uh, the DJ Ugalalele is going to be as talented as Trevor Lawrence? Because remember, there's always an extra added pressure when you're replacing a generational talent. Need more proof? Kevin Hogan. Look at Kevin Hogan when he was at uh, Stanford. He had to live up to being the next Andrew Luck. Fell flat. And Kevin Hogan did not have a bad career. He just didn't have an Andrew Luck career. Who knows this offense is going to pick? Especially, you also lose a big-time player in... Um, Jackson Carmen on the offensive line. You lose Travis Etienne. You lose a lot. Oklahoma, it's a crapshoot in the Big 12. Oklahoma can win against Oklahoma State by 45. They can lose the next weekend to Kansas State by 5. It happens. That's the Big 12 consistently. Meanwhile, Georgia, who literally added every single piece in the kitchen sink, already looks great. If JT Daniels starts the entire season last year, are they not in a conversation? Are they not in the SEC Championship? Are they not almost beating Alabama? Is that game a lot closer? I think so. Take me on this one. Texas A&M. You replace the offensive line. You have a top five defense. 
Why not put them in the conversation? But no, instead, you go with bleh, 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 bleh. And I put bleh, 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 because if it's boring, it's bland. There's nothing different about it. And I'm not saying that mine is that much different because, of, again, I'm trying to be statistically speaking. But I would actually say that Iowa State being in that conversation or Cincinnati being in that conversation has a lot more backbone and actually looks pretty good when it's coming to the betting table if you're right now than it is saying, oh, I'm going to go with the same four as always. I'm just going to switch them up. Instead of Alabama being the number three seed this year, they're going to be the number one seed this year. Instead of Ohio State being the number three, uh, second seed this year, they're going to be the number four seed. Yada, yada, yada. Same four. All the time. And I get it, but add some life to it, man. Texas A&M is coming off the best season of their career since 1939. And you're still saying, ah, oh, now they're six. Nah, they're, they're, they're six. They're not going to beat Alabama. And uh, Clubs is going to be their greatest. Now, the one thing I hate about sometimes with these major media outlets, and I work for a couple, so I'll be completely honest. It's boring. It's bland. It's the same four. And guess what? Every single season, it feels like somebody crashes the party. It does. And for a while, it really felt that way. Remember when Michigan State was in the conversation? When Washington was in the conversation and everyone was just like, really? Remember Notre Dame coming in and being like, what the heck? And they did it last year as a member of the ACC. Keep in mind, the ACC had two teams in it. So me saying, oh, Georgia and, and you know, A&M, but Georgia beat A&M. How can you put A&M in? Simple. A&M's one loss comes to Georgia. They were undefeated in the regular season. That's my argument. That's the argument you make. I'm not here to say that I don't understand why you put Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma, the, the most boring, blandish blah, four of all time, in your final four. But if you want to get more clicks, and more importantly, if you want to cause some controversy, and even just add in a conversation, a team like Texas A&M is a perfect spot for you to do that. That's just my opinion. You know what I hate? When I have to go spend money on something that I could do myself, but instead I just don't know where to look. One of those main things is anything with the car part. I always got to go into the shop. I got to go pay an installment fee. I have to go pay a shipping fee. I have to go pay a, a production fee. And then I walk away a little bit more poor than I actually want to be when I can install that part if I just knew where to get the part. Simple. I'll tell you where. Go visit rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is an online auto parts service system that has been serving customers for the past 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules to brake pads to tail lamps to motor oils and even new carpets. So whether it's for a classic or your daily driver, get everything you need with just a few easy clicks to deliver directly to your door. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same that are used for professionals and do-it-yourselfers is used for you. So why spend twice as much for the same parts when you can just get it yourself? Go visit rockauto.com right now and type in Locked On on the How'd You Hear About section so they know that we sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you will ever need, rockauto.com. It's the place to be. This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by Lucy.co. Lucy Nicotine is a company found by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better, cleaner nicotine alternative. It's been researched and developed for three years made by people, not for patients. So Lucy has a new gum that has four milligrams of nicotine that has flavors including wintergreen, cinnamon, pomegranate, and lozenges including cherry ice, citrus mint, and 
actual mint. Lotion lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now. It's 2021. Get rid of the cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out the dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gums and lozenges. And for all of our listeners right now, go visit lucy.co and use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE to get a 20% discount off your first order, including the gums and lozenges. That's lucy.co with the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co. Use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE to save 15% off your very first purchase and find a new healthier alternative to smoking today. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, I'm going to talk about this for a second. The state of the Lone Star State. Everybody knows that what you have to do to win in this state is what you Naturally. That's a big deal. But on top of all of that, I think you also have to consider when you look at these programs, and there's a lot. I'm not going to go through every single one. I'm going to go through the main ones, and I'll explain which are the main ones in a minute. But you look at these programs, the way to win in the state of Texas is by the quarterback. Let's be real. Anybody who's played Texas high school football even if the player transformed into a wide receiver at the next level, or they became a superstar Heisman Trophy you know, finalist at the quarterback position, the high school's best player or the most well-known player on that team, nine times out of 10, took snaps from under center. And so when that battle comes up at the college level, it's the same thing. In so many different occasions, you have to be so stellar under center. That if you aren't, you're going to struggle. Mac Jones may be an anomaly, or he may be a really good quarterback. Joe Burrow, prove it. He is a great quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tungamailoa, great quarterbacks, won games, won national titles. And that's the case for all these programs in Texas right now. So let's break down the major schools with their quarterback battles going into the 2021 season. I'm going to just tell you what these schools are. It's SMU, it's the University of Houston, it's Baylor, it's TCU, it's Texas, it's Texas Tech, and it's Texas A&M. Those are the seven schools we're mentioning. That's it. Coming in at last place has got to be the University of Houston. I don't really know what they're doing at quarterback right now. I know that they have a lot of love for the upcoming kid in um, Maddox Cop out of uh, St. Thomas High School, right in the local Houston area. He's already on campus. He's a six foot six, two hundred and thirty pound quarterback. Moves very well in the pocket. Got a laser of an arm. Definitely is somebody to watch. But as of now, Clayton Tune, the former or the current starting quarterback for Houston as of last year, likely is going to get the starting job once again. Now, will he retain it? That's the biggest question. Tune last season racked up over 2,000 passing yards with 15 touchdowns against 10 interceptions. Here was the biggest problem. He threw a lot of interceptions. In fact, there was only two games on the year where he didn't throw at least one interception. What I will say is, you got to give him a little bit of credit, the game against BYU, who was ranked number 14 at the time, even though they lost, he did not throw an interception, it was one of his better games, threw for 310 yards on the night, that was the second highest of the season, Uh, 67.7 completion rating and two touchdowns against zero interceptions. I'm not saying that this is a good situation, but... When you look at Houston and when you look at what Houston's supposed to be, there was talks a couple years ago of them joining the uh, Big 12 because they thought they were at that same level. 
they start to cool off a little bit. You're starting to see Central Florida take that leap. You're starting to see Memphis take that leap and Cincinnati take that leap. Instead, Houston is now kind of falling back to earth. They're kind of falling back into the same pattern of, okay, I am a good school, but I'm still a non-Power 5 school, and I haven't lived up to that expectation just yet. So unfortunately for me, I now am going to have to struggle. So Toon probably wins the starting job. Don't really like his overall style. Cop, I think, is the future of the organization, but he's not going to get the role, I think, in 2021. So this is kind of a down year for University of Houston overall when it comes to quarterback. Number six, Baylor. Listen, Baylor's a really weird school because Baylor, I think, can take that next leap under Dave Aranda this year. I really do. I like Baylor. I, I've always liked Baylor. And if you look at the success rate of Art Bryles, we're not going to talk about him that much more. Art Bryles did a good job to begin it off, but he did behind doors. Very bad thing. Then Matt Rule coming in, saving the program, stinking it up his first year, then rebounding, taking the team all the way to a Sugar Bowl appearance. I mean, that speaks volume. That speaks a lot of volume of what Baylor can be. And Baylor now, I think, can have that again under Dave Aranda. But this would be an easier battle to talk about if Charlie Brewer was here. Instead, he transferred to Utah for his final season of eligibility. So now you got to look at the quarterback battle that's ahead. It's basically right now between Jacob Zeno and uh, uh, Jerry uh, Bohannon. I don't view either as a big threat. You know, from what little we've seen of Zeno, there's not much to really go off of. Um, you look at what, you know, Larry Fedora's offense did last year. They finished ninth overall in the Big 12. Uh, you know, they did they did upgrade at OC, so you got to give them that. But Brewer took most of the snaps combined in 2020, Zeno and Bohannon took nine snaps. That's it. Nine. He hit, um, uh, Zeno hit nine of 18 passes for uh, uh, 223 yards and a memorable 81-yard touchdown to Tristan Elber in the Big 12 Championship uh, during the season that Brewer got hurt. That's about it. And I remember that game. That was one really good play from a quarterback who probably was a little too young to be starting at the time because a Brewer was out. I also don't know if he's improved. You get what I'm saying? If you don't improve, maybe you're going to be fine, maybe not. The good news is that they have a lot of good actual talent around them uh, with RJ Sneed, Gavin Holmes. Um, uh, there's a couple more on that team. Uh, uh, Tyquan Thornton, uh, Atkinson, uh, Josh Fleeks, running back, uh, running back Craig Williams, Kawan Jones. Uh, there's, so there's a lot to like. I mean, there is. But I view these two as non-threats. They're non-threats in the Big 12, and they definitely would not be threats in the SEC. So for Texas, in the school rankings, Baylor comes in at number six. Number five, before we get going to break, I'm going to go with SMU. You got to keep in mind that Tanner Mordecai is a really, really good quarterback. And the only reason why he hasn't started is, let's look at the names that he's had to go up against. Tyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Spencer Rattler. Those are the three he's had to go up against. We don't really know what he can be. Now, what I will say is, last season did it come in, he threw for 395 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. The year before, 207 yards, averaged eight yards per throw, two, uh, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. The year before, 37 passing yards. I mean, so we, we, we kind of know. But what I like about this is that Sonny Dykes has done a good job building up SMU, and he's done a really good job setting the pieces in place defensively and offensively especially in the trenches, to where any quarterback can be successful. If you don't believe me, look at Shane Buchel. Buchel was never the answer at Texas. Just never was. 
What did he do under Sonny Dykes? Well, he became an absolute beast for the non-Power 5 conference. I mean, don't get me wrong. Comparing him to Sam Ellinger is a little unfair, but when you look at his numbers overall from when he was in the uh, college level, he was actually pretty good. In, in his one, his two years there, he had over 7,000 passing yards. Uh, I think he had over, what was it? Uh, 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 78 touchdowns. He had 16 interceptions. He had an, uh, a rating of over... Uh, he had a completion rating of over 78 uh, 68%. He had a QBR rating of 123. I mean, 153. My bad, 153. Like, that's what I got to talk about. Is that if Sonny Dykes can do this with a guy who kind of sat in a similar formation like Mordecai did, you're going to be in a really good hands once again. And I do think that SMU is going to be the team to watch for, especially in the AAC to compete alongside with Cincinnati for a shot at the New Year's Six Bowl game. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Built Bar now has nine unique flavors, so whatever you're trying to chew, either be the coconut, the coconut almond, the raspberry, or mint brownie, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. They're more like candy bars than they are protein bars, but here's what parents and most people will love. They're low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, and low in calories. I started my year off eating a peanut butter brownie bar every single day, and had 17 grams of protein, 130 calories. 4 grams of sugars, 4 grams of net carbs. There's not a product like this out on the shelves right now. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your very first purchase. That promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. In 25 minutes or less, I can get you caught up on everything you need to know about the sporting realm today. Whether that be college baseball, college basketball, the NFL, the NBA, simple. How do you do so? Listen to Locked On Today. Peter Bukowski and his staff break down all major news coming out of every single major sport right now in 25 minutes or less. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. Number four on our list of the level of quarterback that I expect them to be going into next season is TCU. Listen. The reason why TCU is above a team like Tan- uh, but like SMU and Tanner Mordecai or a team like Baylor and their situation is Max Duggan at least has shown stuff. Like he's shown that there's at least potential there. In two seasons, he's thrown for uh, 2,770 yards. In his first year, last season, seven, uh, 1,795 yards. A grand total of 25 touchdowns against 14 interceptions in that span. He's looked very good. He has. And the other thing is, I don't think there's a quarterback battle. So that's why I put this here. You look at the other schools, you think there could be a quarterback battle at Texas Tech. You know there's a quarterback battle at Texas. You know there's a quarterback battle at Texas A&M. This is set. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, Duggan is set as the Horns Frogs quarterback at least for 2021 for the start of the season. So with that, I just put him right in the middle and think it makes a lot of sense. Number three, Texas Tech. We know who's going to be the starter. Everyone is going to try and say Matt Walls is going to go out and do something crazy and go, oh, we're going to go in a different way. We're going to try and get somebody else. No, you brought in Tyler Shaw from Oregon because of you saw the talent and you watched Alan Bowman leave for Michigan. You have a quarterback problem. The difference is, is that unlike these other guys who are coming in, trying to find their way and you know prove that they can be a starting quarterback, a guy like Tanner Mordecai, Tyler Shaw's played a significant amount of games to where he's already a starter. The difference is, 
Is he a full-fledged, up-and-coming NFL starter? This is the guy a lot of people are circling as who's going to be the Zach Wilson of 2021 season. So for the 2022 draft, a lot of people are saying it's going to be Tyler Shaw. Shaw split reps at Oregon in his final season, but he did throw for 1,559 yards, 13 touchdowns against six interceptions as a kind of rotational quarterback role, which is really good numbers when you really break it down. Uh, he went 9-15 against, uh, 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 who was it, uh, USC in the Pac-12 championship. He went... Um, uh, seven and nine for 79 yards with one interception against Iowa State in the yeah, Fiesta Bowl. So there's a lot to work on. But the thing is, he comes from a West Coast offense. Matt Wells is looking for that West Coast guy. It's a perfect fit on both sides. And even though I don't know what Texas Tech has a wide receiver, what they have on the offensive line, that's going to be a really interesting game overall with Tyler Shaw because I do think that he has a ton of upside and he's going to be a name to watch for in the future. Number two, it's Texas. It is. Because here's the thing. Much like Texas A&M, I do see two style of quarterbacks. Casey Thompson is more of your dual threat guy. Hudson Card actually is a strong arm quarterback who reminds me a lot of Haynes King. So instead of what Texas A&M has, where it's a pocket passer versus a more mobile but still pocket guy, it's a dual threat guy, guy who's going to win with his legs a lot, and then a guy who's going to win with his arm. They both are really good. Casey Thompson proved that when he went 8-10 against Colorado in the uh, uh, Alamo Bowl. And Hudson Card was an Elite 11 prospect. You aren't just an Elite 11 prospect and then forget how to play football. So, it is a battle. The question is, with that battle, which way is Sark going to lean in his first year in the 40 Acres? Is it going to be more of a, I'm a balanced guy, I want to go with Card because he's got a bit, maybe a little bit of a better arm or do I want to go with the veteran? Do I want to go with Casey, who's been around, he has trust with these players, and can make a name for himself really early? But number one is Texas A&M. No matter how you look at the battle in College Station, you're not going to lose if one of these two is coming out here. The reason you will be unsuccessful this season is the offensive line. It's not Haynes King, and it's not Zach Cazada. Both these players can work very well in Daryl Dickey's offense. They both were highly recruited by Jimbo Fisher because they fit his style of offense. And no matter what you want to say, Haynes King, more of a mobile guy, a guy who can run around a little bit more, a guy who can extend plays outside the pocket, works. You know what else worked? Mac Jones in 2020 in Tuscaloosa. Nick Saban taught Jimbo Fisher. Zach Calzada can work in the exact same fashion, and there could be no drop-off. Absolutely zilch of a drop-off. That's why I look at this and I go, okay, no matter who starts for AM, it doesn't really matter. What does matter is the offensive line. But when you look at this, if Zach Calzada was in TCU, you could probably see TCU make a run for the Big 12 title. If Haynes King was playing at the University of Houston, Houston should be an immediate favorite for the AAC along with the likes of um, Cincinnati. They should. Not even a question. Because if quarterback does matter, both these guys work. And both these guys showed this past spring that whoever wins the starting job is going to be in for the entire process of really being the guy that you build around for the future. That's going to do for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson at Locked on Aggies. We'll be back on Friday. Yep, Friday we will be back on the show. Remember, it's three shows a week throughout the month of June and part of July. 
When we come back, we'll be discussing all things about the Aggies and some things that we're hearing around the offseason programs. We will see you on Friday. And remember, kick them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.